0: It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show. Heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, faithtalk1360.com. And please go to our, and then because uh, it becomes a podcast after it airs on uh, Faith Talk. Uh, go to our website, uh, rescuersradioshow.org, dot org, where you can hear all of the shows on podcast that we've had one hundred and eighty five after today. And this is a listener supported uh, show, so anyone that has that uh, they'd like to help out a little bit, they can you could follow along on the website as well. I'm really excited about this show, um, and the, ho- the my guest today is Michael Medoro. Chief of Staff and Chief of Development for the National Nonprofit Organization, Child Help. And he has a t-shirt to, 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 to prove, it. prove it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that really is where he's from. So, uh, <laughs> Michael, before diving into your uh, great works uh, with Child Help, uh, let's allow our audience to take a look at your background. So take a few minutes and tell us how you got to this point uh, in your life.
2: Well, I had the great fortune of coming into Child Help back in 2012, where at that time I was the executive director for an international nonprofit organization called Project Cure. Oh, yeah. And I had a, uh, a board member at that time that asked me if I knew of the organization Child Help, which I did not, uh, but asked me if I would go and meet with uh, one of the uh, national board members and executive vice president, Jim Habits and have a chance to learn a little bit about the organization and see what what I could do to assist them. Honestly, that day, I I think I must have been really naive because I thought I was just going to meet with Jim to uh, give him some ideas and tips on cause marketing and corporate development, an area that I had some experience and strength in. And uh, maybe about a half an hour into meeting Jim, I was realizing that I was being courted uh, for an opportunity to come and join Child Help. And uh, we spent the morning together. And he asked me if I would go and have uh, breakfast the next morning with Sarah and Yvonne, the co-founder, CEO, and uh, um, chairman of uh, Child Help. And I said, for sure. And so I went and met with uh, Sarah and Yvonne, and I spent virtually the entire day with them. And – um When you have a chance to meet two angels on Earth like Sarah and Mm. Yvonne, there is absolutely no way that you don't want to be a part of what they're doing in the mission of child help. And so after spending about a day with them, um, they gave me their lifetime movie, which is called For the Love of a Child, and their book. And I went home, and I had a chance to watch that movie. And about three-fourths into watching that movie, I was already starting to work on my uh, speech to Project Cure, letting them know that I think it's time for me to move on, and I want to pursue a new opportunity. And that was about 11 years ago. Wow.
1: Wow. What a run. Yeah. It's been yeah. amazing. It's really yeah. Amazing. So, uh, and, and before that, you were uh, running a couple of other significant nonprofits, right?
2: I was. So, I graduated from Seattle Pacific University in 98. And um, when I graduated, I moved to Guatemala and I was the uh, director of an orphanage in Guatemala for about two and a half nice. years. Uh, I relocated back to the States and eventually made my way to Phoenix, where Easter Seals was looking uh, for somebody to come on board and help develop some of their children's programs. Um, they had two attempts in the 90s to kind of really get things off the ground, but they weren't very successful. So I came on in, figuring I just spent a couple of years in Guatemala developing programs for children there. I think I could do it here. Yeah. And uh, changed a little bit of the business model that Easter SEALs had established at that point in time and became the chief operating officer for Easter SEALs over Arizona, California, Utah, New Mexico, and Nevada. I did that for about eight years and then uh, project here. Um, asked me if I would come over and lead their efforts, so I did that for four. Uh, two amazing organizations, <laughs> Easter Seals, doing amazing work with all on a national basis. Yes, every, everything yeah. really. Uh, I was very fortunate to have yeah. an opportunity to have a seat at those tables. Absolutely. So, yeah.
1: Uh, so um, let's jump into the the National Child Help and its exciting mission uh, and beginning uh, into one of the nation's largest and oldest nonprofit organizations right?
2: Yeah. We've been around this. We're getting ready to go into our 65th year. So uh, this January, we'll be starting to commemorate our 65th anniversary, which makes us definitely the the oldest nonprofit in this sector. Um, Largest in the sense that we are the only nonprofit organization in the sector that completely comprehensively addresses child abuse. So Sarah and Yvonne, are the pioneering innovative spirits behind every child safety law and legislation that exists in this country today. They pioneered the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline, which is the only hotline that operates anywhere in the world 24 hours a day, 365 days a year by master or doctoral degree counselors. Right here in the States, it serves every state, Canada, Guam, and all U.S. territories, it serves up to 170 different languages, and allows those counselors to address the crisis needs of adults and children through calls, text, and chat capabilities. Sarah and Yvonne also pioneered the Multidisciplinary Advocacy Center. So right here in Phoenix, Arizona, right. we have the largest advocacy center in the state mm. that serves almost about 8,000 children and families a year. And it does it in direct partnership with Phoenix Children's Hospital, the Office of Child Welfare Investigations, Department of Child Safety, um, the County Attorney's Office, the largest child crimes unit of Phoenix PD, all working together as one team under one roof which pioneered by Child Help not only significantly reduces the re-traumatization of a child who discloses they've been abused, but significantly holds those who offend accountable. Child Help pioneered uh, psychiatric residential facilities that look like villages, Um, one on East Coast, California and Virginia. I say psychiatric facility, but it's anything but what you would visualize a psychiatric facility to look like. In Virginia, where we have our operation, you've got 125 acres Tall pine trees, children living in cottages with others of their same age and gender and peer. They live in homestyle-like environments. They receive every form of therapeutic care you can imagine from uh, talk therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, non-public school education so they don't fall behind in their therapies. Um, Receive equine therapy. They interact with animals. Art therapy to be able to be expressionable. Things like that, that. They didn't miss anything. No, they don't miss the thing. Wow! Um, it's just really a phenomenal organization that comprehensively addresses child abuse like no other. So tell tell our our uh, audience about Yvonne and Sarah. Oh, so these are two women who were Hollywood starlets uh, back in the in the fifties. Um, they were featured on the Ozzy and Harriet show. Yep. Um, so they were uh, the, the girlfriends on that show.
1: One was Ricky's girlfriend and the other was David's. That's correct. Girlfriend, that, right? That's
2: correct. <laughs> they, they became instant friends. They actually became roommates. And what they didn't realize is that they both separately, not talking to each other, went to go audition to be a part of a USO tour following the Korean War. Um, out of hundreds and hundreds of actresses, the both of them got selected to, to be the two to go on this tour, and they went over. and Their first stint was over in Japan, and they happened to come into Tokyo during the worst typhoon season in the history of Japan. Oh wow! And. They were trapped inside their hotel rooms and they were a bit rebellious at that point in time and didn't want to be trapped in their hotel room. So they (laughs) snuck out. And when they snuck out, they discovered 11 children that were standing out in the streets, completely orphaned and abandoned because these were children who had been the products of American soldiers having relationship with Japanese women, neither side wanting to count these children as their own. So they were considered throwaway children. Oh my gosh. And Sarah and Yvonne said, oh, absolutely not. So they brought these 11 children. They snuck them into their hotel room, dried them off, clothed them, fed them. And from that day forward, they started working with our U.S. military on how are we going to care for these children. And they went to all the different orphanages throughout Tokyo. Nobody would accept them because they weren't able to get funding to care for these children until they came across a woman named Mama Kim. And Mama Kim was willing to take these children in. And over the course of the next couple of years, Sarah and Yvonne, in direct partnership with our U.S. military, built orphanages and hospitals and <laughs> schools and everything for these children oh, that were thrown away. And then came the fall of Saigon. And come the fall of Saigon, our U.S. military is saying, hey, we're pulling out. We're coming out. And Sarah and Yvonne say, well, what about the children? And they're just like, no, don't talk to us about these children. No. And Sarah and Yvonne said, no, we're talking about these children. <laughs> we're going to do something. And so these two amazing women— orchestrated what today is known as operation baby lift where they rescued more than 3,500 children who would have died as a direct result of sure. the fall of Saigon, brought them in military planes to the United States where they had waiting adoptive families for every single one of those children. That got the attention of then California governor Ronald Reagan and his wife, Nancy. Well, and this is the seventies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is yeah. the, is uh, the late er, mid to late sixties. Yeah. And, um, Nancy Reagan goes up to Sarah and Yvonne and says, you are the two to do it. Man, Sarah and Yvonne say the two to do what? (laughs) And she says to tackle America's best kept secret, that's child abuse. Mm. And so Sarah and Yvonne, not knowing what child abuse was, said, well, we're probably going to need to do a feasibility study, really understand what it is you're talking about. And Nancy and Ronald Reagan funded the very first feasibility study on child abuse through Sarah and Yvonne. And so became the birth of Child Help. Wow. And from that day forward, they have been pioneering and innovating programs and services. To How incredible us. is
1: that? Yeah. And and Nancy became the face on addictions. Yep. She did. didn't know
2: the drugs. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, uh, man.
2: And was a dear friend of Child Help's all the way through her passing.
1: Yeah. hmm Where's Ronald now? We need him. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell so, me about
2: it. So um uh, what a great story. And and they're still together. They're still they're, st- they're still so Sarah is still the acting CEO chairman and co-founder of the organization. And Yvonne is the president, vice chairman and co-founder of the organization. These two women still work seven days a week, round the <laughs> clock. I was, I was having dinner with them last night. We had dinner last night talking about some opportunities that we were exploring um, till 10 o'clock, 1030 at night. That this is who, these two women, you're never gonna meet two women that are more passionate yeah. about children, more passionate about doing what's right, more passionate about making a difference sure. anywhere in the country. Yeah, and yeah. I will follow these two women um, as long as the good Lord allows me. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but
1: I I actually remember maybe on an annual basis they would put together a congressional lunch. Mm-hmm. Yes. For all the members of Congress, and, and they don't dare not share, show up, right? Oh, no. So, they <laughs> did,
2: so Sarah and Yvonne were able to get the month of April to be congressionally recognized as Child Abuse Prevention Month. Okay. And then the first Wednesday of every April is considered Child Helps Day of Hope on on Capitol Hill. And this is a luncheon that they put together where they bring on both where they bring both sides of the aisles together, because this is a, a bipartisan issue. Yeah. They bring both sides of the aisles together, and we talk about what is going on around child safety, abuse, trafficking, and neglect in America today, and what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And they've been doing that for decades. They've sat in the Oval Office of every president. From- I
1: have heard members of Congress say, I cannot not miss that no. luncheon.
2: They can't. <laughs> you, you absolutely can when, when you get a chance to sit in the presence of Sarah and Yvonne mm-hmm. and- and the spirit that is Child Help, I dare you to try to walk away. Yeah. I dare you to try to walk yeah. away. You know, my
1: gosh. Uh, say, if anybody uh, listening to this episode of the uh, Rescuers Radio Show, if you came in late uh, to the Rescuers Radio Show, my guest is Michael Medoro of National Child Hope Help, and uh, my goodness, I-, I had the pleasure of meeting them and working a little bit with them. When we did a, a, a Arizona did a, a, a documentary called Crystal Darkness, mm-hmm. uh, talking about the presence of of anything that was um, crystal meth mm-hmm. and and the high addiction rate and so that sort of thing, and they took that on under their under their awning to to move that along and forward and together uh to this day we're the only state in the country that's ever pulled off what we did with the t- every TV station every radio station same time same day yep. and um and it was just amazing working with them the the power and not necessarily power they they it's a lot of grace yeah and, and, but when they talk to you, you listen. Yes, you do. <laughs> you don't turn away. Yes, you they, do. They kept it, and, and sounds like all, all, now, even now, keep an active
2: audience, right? They do. I think the thing that makes these two women so amazing. Is when you're in their presence, you know that they genuinely care yeah. about the safety no and question. the well-being of children. Yes. There, there's no agenda, yeah. um, there's no selfishness, there's no ego. They genuinely care about the safety and well-being of children in this country. Yeah. And if you, if you share in that, it's something you want to be a part of. It's something that you want to contribute to. Something you want to um, see grow and be established stronger in your community. They. They helped us develop Child Help Speak Up Be Safe. And Child Help Speak Up Be Safe is the only prevention education curriculum on the market today. I'm not familiar with it. Designed that to educate students pre K through 12th grade. What's it called again? Child Help Speak Up Be Safe. Okay. So it's a curriculum. Yeah. It's designed to educate students pre K through 12th grade, not just on the signs and symptoms of abuse, but more importantly, what to do when they witness or experience abuse. It's the only evidence based, meaning that it's proven. It's the only evidence based curriculum. That allows us to comprehensively know that we can not only educate these children, but we can reinforce with them the connectivity to a professional counselor, that one being through our hotline. So if you take a look at it from a national perspective, we are going to educate children at the youngest age possible. We're going to keep that education going with them all the way through their high school years, and we are going to reinforce to them multiple times throughout every single one of those years the connectivity to a professional counselor to help them navigate through any questions, any thoughts, any ideas, any concerns that they may connect with what they are learning with something in their own life or the life of a peer or a friend or a loved one. That is the one-two combination not just nationally, globally, that Child Help offers that no other organization can. In the world. In the world. Right now, this curriculum, this curriculum is sitting on eight different U.S. military bases around the world in direct partnership with the U.S. Department of Defense. Our hotline is serving multiple countries. (laughs) Our multidisciplinary advocacy center that I was talking about earlier has been replicated in 23 different countries around the world. And this is all (laughs) because of the pioneering, innovative spirit of Sarah and Yvonne saying, we care about the well-being of children. We want to make sure that children are safe and that children are protected and that ir- there's an end in sight for abuse. And it's by breaking that cycle. Yeah. And that's what they created. And that's what we're doing My today.
1: Gosh. So um, I, I think I have I saw the numbers from 1959 when they la- launched Child Help, 11 million Children have been impacted? Just over 12 million now. 12 million. Yeah,
2: so we are just over 12 million children have been directly impacted yeah. by child help. We know that number is probably a significant, uh, significantly larger yeah. because of the reach between cousins and siblings and family members and community. Yeah. But, yes, um, in the past 65 years, child help has directly impacted the lives of more than 12 million children. Wow. Uh,
1: that's worldwide, that's national. Oh, no, just America.
2: That's just national. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, please explain the uh, family aspect and uh, what happens once a child uh, is admitted into one of the child help centers and the enrichment programs, if you could talk about that for a while.
2: Sure. So we've got we We've well, got
1: plenty of time, by the way. <laughs> Wonderful.
2: Because <laughs> uh, I can talk about I'll, it. I'll let you know when. <laughs> so, I get
1: a message from Jeremy over there.
2: Our, our, our first step in approach, everything that Child Help does is designed with a child in mind. Yeah. So I, I mentioned our prevention curriculum and I mentioned our hotline, which are our two efforts and initiatives to be able to educate and bring intervention to a cycle of abuse. Um, prior to Ballpark about six, seven years ago, majority of interactions that came to our hotline were from adults in crises. So our professional counselors were dealing with a a mother or a father calling up and saying, I'm about to throw my child into scalding hot water. Stop me kind of a thing. That was the type of calls they were getting. About six, seven years ago, we got a federal grant that allowed us to expand our hotline to include text and chat capabilities. And that became a game changer because then the interactions that came to our hotline were not so much dominantly at that point about 90% adults in crises. Now it's swung to about 90% youth. In crisis, oh. youth being a lot more comfortable with text and chat than yeah. they were to actually pick up a phone and call. Oh yeah. Then the pandemic hits. Yeah. Pandemic hits, and around the country, where most of the time our advocacy centers and our treatment centers and in our family programs, people were becoming aware of them because of mandatory reporters. Yeah. Anybody that works with or interfaces with a child is a law required mandatory reporter. Now you don't have children in schools anymore. You don't have children on recreational fields anymore. You don't have these environments where children who are experiencing abuse are in an environment where somebody could say, hey, I think something is wrong here. Let me call and see if I could get some help. Now children are trapped at home with their abusers. And their abusers are feeling stressed because they're not at work. And and they're not outside the home. And so the environment continued to escalate during the pandemic. Child Help's hotline was the only hotline in the entire country that saw double-digit spikes month over month in interactions with our counselors. Every other hotline was seeing decreases. CPS hotlines were seeing decreases. DCS hotlines were seeing decreases. We were the only one, and that was because children were educated that if you need help – you could reach out and during the pandemic the spike one of the
1: spikes was uh, was um domestic violence yes absolutely and addictions
2: and, and addiction suicide exactly and, and our counselors were right there to handle and address yeah. all of that when a child discloses that they have been abused or they are suspecting that a friend or a peer has been abused by and large historically In most places around the country, they would have to go to anywhere between five to six different professional agencies to disclose what happened to them. If it was a severe physical and sexual abuse, you would have to go see a medical practitioner, which would be on a different day than you would speak with a detective, which would be on a different day that you would speak with some form of a legal representation. All of this would take months to achieve and accomplish. And every single time that a child would have to do that, they would be re-traumatized. And every single time they told their story – there would be a variation to that story, yeah. just natural telephone game, yeah. right? What we ended up discovering was that not only were children being re-traumatized, but now because of the variations in their stories, defense attorneys were putting the children on trial. So now the child, if the if the case got oh to a point gosh. where it got before a judge and a jury, now you've got a defense attorney saying, well, we'll hold on. When you first met with this professional, you said this, but then you didn't say that when you met with the next one. You said something different oh. when you met with, and so the child is the one on, on trial. Child Help's advocacy centers, our family advocacy centers, changed all of that. Yeah. So now when you walk into a child, advocacy, a child Help Children's Advocacy Center, you're walking into a building that is designed for a child. It is not a cold, sterile hospital room. It's not an intimidating police station. Yeah. It's an environment that is designed for a child. It's colorful. It's bright. It's yeah. vibrant. Nice. When they walk in, they go into a playroom and that playroom has got videos and books and toys and everything to make a child feel warm and comfortable. It's in a secured room. So once they go through the door into that playroom, nobody else without a badge could get into it. But after they've kind of settled in, of which in that room, we've got volunteer victim advocates that are helping that child get comfortable and and feel safe in that environment. Then a non-uniformed, Child forensic trained interviewer, right? So now somebody who's got professional training in this that's not intimidating is going to come into that room and is going to gradually engage in conversation with that child to lead them into a forensic interview room. Now, a forensic interview room is the only room in that entire building that is not decorated. There's no vibrant colors. There's no pictures on the walls. There's hidden audio and video equipment, but there's nothing else inside that room. And it's intentional because we don't want to stimulate any form of different conversation than what happened that that child is there to disclose. Adjacent to that room is a monitoring room where you have every one of those professionals sitting in watching that interview in real time. That interview is being recorded. That forensically trained interviewer will excuse themselves at the end to make sure there's no further follow-up questions or needs that that team has. And when that team says we have everything that we need, then that interviewer will conclude that interview. What that means is that from that point forward, that child never has to tell their story again. They never have to be re-traumatized by the abuse. What a blessing that is. Child help takes that child on and goes straight into therapeutic care services at that center. Whatever the appropriate therapies are that are necessary for that situation. How many centers across the country are there? So Child Help directly owns and manages two. True. One is in Phoenix, Arizona. The other one is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. But the model itself has been replicated in most every major market nice. across the United States yeah. and about 23 different countries around the world. With, with their footprint on it. Yes. Right. Yes. They've come on down. And yours. <laughs> <laughs> People have come on down. They've taken a look at the model. We have helped them with the uh, with the creation and the setup. We've helped them facilitate conversations with those different professional partners within their communities. Things of that nature. So, how cool is
1: that? I mean, so you've had professionals that know how to design these rooms mm-hmm. the way you want it, and 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 the way that you're asking for it. That must be powerful just on its own. I oh, mean, it's incredibly powerful. The fact that there's people out there willing to that know how to do that. Yeah, part right. Oh, absolutely. That, that's a special. You can't. It's just not any kind of room. No, it's and, not. And, it's specially uh, designed. Yeah. Throw yeah. a few toys in there. That's not what it is. Oh, my gosh. We're in our last two minutes already. (laughs) So, uh, oh, my gosh. Um, If you could, in 30 seconds, what's the foster care program?
2: So our foster care program, so right now we've got the largest foster care program in the state of Tennessee, and we also have a foster care program in California. Our foster care program is a bit different in the sense that we don't look to just place children with licensed and certified foster care parents. Child Help provides wraparound services for the con- continuity and duration of that child's stay with that family. Good. So we want to make sure that a okay. child is empowered to be able to excel in life.
1: If one, if the, our listeners want to get in touch with you, how do they do that?
2: They can go directly to our website, www.childhelp.org. They could also reach our main line, which is 480-922-8212. And anybody can always email and, uh, and find my contact information on that site.
1: Awesome. Uh, Michael Maduro And child help, uh, uh, Yvonne and Sarah, you guys are rescuers. So thank you for being on the show today.
2: Thank you for allowing us. God bless. Thank you.
0: Viewers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's